Hello and welcome my partners in crime as you say, as you know I say that in the nicest possible way every time. Now listen, today's case, it's another domestic homicide case and I hate the word but that's how we're going to have to call it. I hate calling it a domestic homicide. It's just murder, okay, really. It's, it's, a, it's a killer, right. Someone killed someone. Doesn't matter if, if they knew him or not. So this is the Ellie Gould case and Ellie was this lovely case. Now this is quite a disturbing case. So I know I have all this at the beginning of the um, intro that says, you know, disturbing. This is disturbing. This is a young girl uh, that was um, murdered. And it's just a shocking case. But anyway, it's a domestic homicide case, if that's what we're going to call it. And um, Ellie was born on the 6th of February 2002. So it tells you how old she was. And she died on the 3rd of May 2019. And she was a 17-year-old sixth form student from Wiltshire. Now, she was stabbed to death on the 3rd of May 2019. Now, by Thomas Griffith. Now, a fellow student at her school. He was also 17 at that time. Uh, now, um, Thomas, it's, it's, it's a strange case, this one. Now, Thomas stabbed Ellie after she ended their relationship of three months. So this is why... I don't like calling this a, a, a domestic homicide. She was with him three months. Listen, it ain't a serious relationship of three months. It ain't a serious relationship when you've got a 17-year-old girl that knew this boy from school. And, you know, um, <laughs> it was... She knew after three months she didn't want to be with him. Right? She knew. That was it. Boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, 17-year-old. It's not what I would call a domestic homicide, but of course it is classed as that under the law because they were dating or they'd just finished dating at that time this was a three month relationship that was it three months i think it's probably the quickest relationship in the series that i'm doing um, ellie's case so ellie was stabbed after she ended the relationship of this after this three months with thomas and he was charged with her murder and he pled guilty actually in the end i'm going to talk about that in a minute uh pled guilty at Bristol Crown Court so and where he was sentenced in 2019 to life imprisonment wait for it with a minimum <laughs> of 12 and a half years in custody before he could become eligible for parole so now you're going to say why 12 and a half years it's not enough no it's not enough what is ever enough for people that commit such murders and this was a terrible murder by the way the problem is, this is why Ellie's Law comes into this, and we'll go through that in a little while, because he was 17, juvenile. So Ellie's Law really is about when you have such serious crimes as um, this one, and also, it, it, you know, it wasn't, alright, so he didn't take the knife with him, so he didn't come prepared, so that justifies it, does it, really? No. Of course it doesn't. The thing is, is that in people's homes, he would know they have a kitchen, they have knives. So, you know, when they say they didn't come equipped to, to kill them, and that, and he was 17, so we can't give him a life sentence because the court were restricted because of the statute in place that restricted them from giving him the full life term. So that's why he was eligible for parole in, uh, after 12 and a half years. Now, um, as we go through this case, you'll sort of see the changes with Ellie's law but in all these cases, 
what really upsets me is that these parents have lost their children and they can't grieve because they're fighting the system. They're fighting our justice system for justice to get these people the time that they really think or believe they deserve. And I think, I think it's also what society believe that these perpetrators deserve. So my faults are always with the family in this. Okay, so this really is Ellie's story. So okay, we have two people now. We have Ellie and Thomas that were 17 years old. And because he was under 21 year old, that's really why he got 12 and a half years or he could then get parole after 12 and a half years, not before that. It's not enough, all right? And as I'm gonna take you through this case, you're gonna realize, and I'd like to hear your opinions on this actually, of what you you think um, should have happened in this case or what this, this boy deserved. So at the time of her death, she was um, the sixth form student uh, at Chippenham and was studying her A-levels. She was also a horse rider. She was a really outgoing girl, beautiful girl, lovely girl. She had met this bloke and absolutely at school, I think she knew him from year seven. And um, I think when she had reached um, sixth form, they started sort of dating, as you can hear the dogs, sorry. They started dating and it, as I said, it only lasted three months because she found him a bit smothering. Plus, Ellie was a really good student and she wanted to concentrate on her A-levels, you know, and her horses. She had a life, Ellie. She had a life and she really didn't want him in it. In her mind, it wasn't a serious relationship. Three months, it split up. She was, you know, only wanted to concentrate on her horses and her education and stuff, you know, and uh, he just weren't having none of it. Now because she was a horse rider and she'd done a lot of cross country as well and really you know she participated in a lot of equestrian um, stuff as my grandchildren do you know we've all got horses and stuff so you know a lot of the time these girls haven't got time to be hanging around in the streets plus they because they're working with their horses and as you know when I if you look on the family part you'll see how hard it is and difficult it is and the time consuming it is to have horses and then when you have a student like Ellie and this dedicated student that wanted to join the Mounted Police, she had a reason to study her A-levels because that's what she wanted to do when she left school, was join the Mounted Police. And um, she also wanted to study psychology as well. That, now, this, this girl was focused and knew what she wanted to do. She was a hard-working, she had good ethics, she was a lovely, lovely girl. And when she met this bloke, as I say, it was three months and really that was it. So look, she, I think she celebrated her 17th birthday in early 2019. And in January of that year, she began dating um, Thomas Griffith. And he was also this student at this school. So listen, you're in A-levels, you know, it's not a stupid lad. It's difficult to get in and do your A-levels at school. It wasn't like he'd gone to college, he was doing his A-levels at school. So he wasn't a stupid boy, all right? He was doing A-levels. He, too, had plans for his future. But, you know, there was no justification for what he'd done. If you're in a relationship for three months, there was nothing that you could... Why would anyone even think that this boy would react like he did? Now, he was um, Ellie's first boyfriend, 
they you know and I think you know at that age at 17 that's because she was a horse riding she wouldn't have had time to have boyfriends and stuff plus she was this focused student so I think when she did get this boyfriend and that's what I think she felt was smothering because I think he wanted more from her than what she was willing to give anyway it ended I think um, in early May that relationship ended because she felt as I said that it was smothering her and she didn't feel that the relationship was right for her she didn't it was her right wasn't it don't we have a right to say I don't really want to see you anymore especially after three months it's not that serious but I think it was more serious for him anyway so Ellie did say and she's not the only one in this in these cases that I'm doing that feels suffocated by the attention from these boys he was a very needy boy he wanted her to be with him 24 7 and stuff that wasn't Ellie's personality at all she was her own person and um and I think she had great self-esteem and her life was going places he was definitely the one with the issues definitely and uh, actually just before her murder I think she told all the night before her murder she told the friends you know that he hadn't took this breakup well so on the 3rd of May 2019 Thomas Griffiths was dropped off at school by his mother um, after emailing his teacher he's an intelligent boy to tell them that he was feeling unwell he walked to Chippenham bus station where he caught the bus back home to this Derry Hill before returning home but then his mother also returned home so then he hides in the cupboard he hides in the wardrobe so that she doesn't know he's there now he must have had murder on his mind then really hey because if he was feeling a bit down or you know and the mother comes up he could have said to the mum that I've had to come home from school because I feel like shit I'm you know I've got these thoughts going on in my mind or whatever he didn't he hid in a cupboard in a wardrobe to hide from her and then he waited till she left and then he again come out of there I think um, <laughs> and I think he then took the car so he picked up the case to the silver Ford Focus car okay and drove to Ellie's home so it's still quite early in the morning don't forget these are sixth form students so they have different schedules they're not there right at, you know early sometimes they may have Ellie's had a few classes a bit later and she had a friend picking her up he would have known that and he drove then to her house in this silver Ford Focus car so following an argument right this is what he's now saying following an argument he attempted to strangle her then he used a knife that he had taken from her family kitchen. Now this is what I'm saying, because he didn't come equipped with a knife. Was it premeditated? Well, I think it was premeditated. I really do. Because he went, and he would have known that there would have been objects or items in that home that he could have used to kill her. He tried to strangle her. Didn't have enough strength. Wasn't manly enough, was he? I suppose, and then he picks up a knife and he stabs Ellie 13 times in the neck with her own kitchen knife. But then he doesn't end it there, you see, does he? He doesn't end it there. He spent an hour then in this house. He then gets the girl, because she's dead, her finger to open her phone. Then he texts her friend, don't worry about picking me up this morning. I won't be going in. So now everyone thinks everything's hunky-dory, don't they? Ellie's not going to school. She's doing other things because it's her phone that the text message comes from. This gives him time now in this house. Then what he tries to do 
he attempts to clean up the crime scene and then he puts the knife in Ellie's hand tried to make it look like a suicide oh she stabbed herself 13 times in the neck that's what he does so then right after he's done all that he then puts his clothes or the bloodstained clothes in a plastic bag and he leaves the home oh actually before he leaves he washes his trainers in her kitchen sink to get all the blood off them because we know that when you're stabbed in the neck you've got crotch artery in the neck and there would have been blood everywhere so he's cleaned himself up he's tried to clean this crime scene up he's tried to make it look like she has these wounds were self-inflicted and that she had done this herself then he packs all these little bits and pieces up and he takes the puts them in the car and he drives off so after returning home <laughs> to change Griffiths now he puts his clothes in the washing machine clean to clean them get rid of them then he dumps the bag of the bloodied items that he can't wash because they're too badly done in the local wood now a neighbour saw him then returning from the wood and then dragged him back to school where he where his mother actually at the end of the day collected him as if it was nothing had happened because she didn't know did she no one knew the person that found him in the woods he wasn't bloodstained he'd already washed his clothes and done everything else cleaned his trainers so they think he was prepared wasn't he so do i think this was premeditated yes i do do I think this boy of 17 tried to cover up this murder and make it look like it was an accident? Yes. Do I think this man deserves more than 20, uh, 12 and a half years? Yes, I do. Because if this boy could have got away with it, he would have, wouldn't he? Of course he would. He'd done nothing. He hadn't come forward and gone to a police station, rung anyone and said, I've just murdered her. He hadn't done that. He had gone to school. He had emailed the teachers. I'm ill. I'm going home. He's gone home. He's hid from his mother. He then took the car. Goes to Ellis. Murders her. First by strangulation. Didn't work. So he picks up the knife from her kitchen and stabs her 12 times in the neck. 12 or 13 times in the neck. Leaving her dead body on the kitchen floor for her father at 3 p.m. in the afternoon to find then he's left that home hasn't he he's then gone home himself cleaned up cleaned up washed his stuff he's already washed the trainers in Ellie's kitchen sink thinking I've got rid of all the blood but well, you can't get rid of all the blood <laughs> listen people think you can you can't Right, this was this boy's downfall, as it's many criminals' downfall, that they think now that forensic testing can't find stuff because you've thought you've cleaned up and you're not on the CC camera and you're not on this and that. You are, right? But he tried though, didn't it? What is this telling you about this killer? That's what he is. A killer. So you've dumped the rest of the bloody clothes in the, you know, bloodstained clothes in the woods. Someone's picked you up. You haven't told that person. Listen, I've done a terrible thing. You went back to school. Like nothing happened. Your mother's picked you up. You haven't told her. You've gone home like it's normal. 
And then what you've done, you've texted and said, me and Ellie's going to go away to make it look like she's still alive. Then you've texted Ellie, I'll be around later. It's all premeditated, full tell. But you are talking about a 17 year old that hasn't got the intelligence to understand about criminal behaviour and how profilers and criminal behaviourists and all these people and the police and the investigators can pick you out a mile, mate. He didn't realise that because a lot of these criminals seem to think they're mostly intelligent people in the room. They're not. They think they are, but they're not. He certainly wasn't. But what he done to this girl after three months of knowing her was terrible. He took a life. So listen, by 6pm on the 3rd of May outside a friend's house, um, he was taken actually to the police station and was held for questioning. Evidence was also gathered about uh, Thomas Griffith's mobile phone, his CCTV, and there's camera images of him. You could see him driving in his, his silver Ford Focus. You could see him actually on and off a bus. You could tell his whole movements on that day. This is what I'm saying to you, they forget, don't they? You know, the neighbours saw him um, really, you know, and give descriptions of someone coming in and out of um, Ellie's home. So, of course, he initially denied it, didn't he? His involvement of her death, of Ellie's death, you know, his poor girl. Uh, and claiming that he had not seen her on that day. Again, he had all these opportunities, you see, to be honest about what he did. But he would rather lie. He wanted to get away with murder. And this is what makes this man a really, really dangerous criminal. Because there is such a thing as this instantaneous loss, alright? He could have had, you know, a breakdown. But by the way his behaviour was going, and it wasn't a long-term relationship, was it? It was a relationship of three months only. He, she didn't want him, and he said, then I'm going to kill you. And that's what he did. No one else could have her. You know, 17 year old. Anyway, he was charged with murder on the 6th of May, actually, and he then was put before, I think, Salisbury Magistrates Court uh, the following day. He appeared at Bristol Crown, Crown Court on the 9th of May, where his uh, provisional trial date was set, I think, for 28th of October. He did not enter a plea and uh, was remanded in custody, and absolutely, that's where it should have been. So at the plea hearing on the 29th of August, uh, Griffiths pleaded guilty to the murder and was remanded in custody to await sentence and as I said that he was given a life sentence but because he was 17 that means being a minor really because usually life sentences couldn't be handed out to people over the age of 21 and I think there was um, or 21 and over there was issues anyway around this case with the Manchester bombing um, the brother of the Manchester bomb because he was young so it, there was changes coming, but this is what I said about the families, you know, in these cases. Their parents, Ellie's parents, had to fight for change, didn't they? You've handed this boy a sentence of 12 and a half years. And you've handed also, or was going to hand a sentence to the Manchester bomber, or the brother of the Manchester bomber was part of it, who fled and then was caught and brought back because he was young, he wouldn't have been able to have a life sentence either. So the law then wanted to change to where it was like serious crime sort of things, like, you know, you know, 
them sort of ones, but not, or it was it would have changed to where you brought a weapon to the, um, her, you know, to do the killing. The problem is with that is that he didn't, did he? He didn't bring a weapon. This was the whole thing, and this is the whole thing. Are we now saying to criminals then, when we look at this, if you're going to kill someone at 16, 17, and we've had a lot of these 16, 17 odd year olds that are not getting life sentences or wasn't, because one, they hadn't come equipped to do the murder. But what my argument is within this, and I think what Ellie's parents' argument was, was this was such a serious crime he used the tools that were available to him in that property it would be reasonable wouldn't it to think that if he was going to someone's home and they had a kitchen they would have a knife isn't that a reasonable possibility to have yeah i think it is so why would he take the chance we know by his preparation by his lying earlier in the day that he was preparing something he had ample opportunity to tell people how he was feeling but he didn't he went to Ellis, he said not to murder, but he wasn't there very long. And it's the way that he tried to make it look like it was an accident. When someone has done something because they didn't mean to do it, they don't cover it up, really. Or if they do, it doesn't last very long. And then they usually tell someone, listen, because they're guilt-ridden. He wasn't guilt-ridden at all. So the reason that I, think, I don't think when this first came out that they was going to change this law into that. The parents said, listen, remove Ellie's name from this list because that's not what we want. We want him, or people like him, who do this sort of murder at a young age, whether they come prepared with a knife, equipped with a knife or a weapon, and murder, to be accountable, all right? To be accountable because it is reasonable that anything can be a murder weapon and especially in a home where you have a kitchen where they know there's going to be knives that he picked up a knife and he stabbed her in the neck until she was dead so i think we understand now that this was what they were trying to say and we had a lot of people fighting for this lots of people fighting for this change to come in so i think listen i don't think it's going to affect his all right it's affected him in some ways but it won't affect it because by the time this law had been changed and it has now been changed to where someone under the age of 21 in this country can be charged whether they come equipped with a weapon or not for a full life sentence okay where before we was like protecting these people because of their age listen there's no difference between a 17 year old and a 21 year old not really and there's no difference whether you take a knife with you or you pick up a knife while you're in that property, is there? When you take the life of somebody else, you take their life. So this is what Ellie's law was about. Ellie's law was where these parents of Ellie have had to fight after her death for some justice, for some justice for their child. And to stop this also happening to somebody else not the murder part of it, because that isn't going to stop, is it? It's never going to stop. We all know that, don't we? These domestic homicides 
and never going to stop. We are trying, aren't we? We brought in coercive, you know, coercive behaviour laws in 2015, but we're not really enforcing them, are we? She was with him three months. There was no lead up to this. Yes, she had told friends that he had took the breakup difficult, you know, he found it difficult and he wasn't, you know, happy about it. But who would, would have thought that a 17 year old boy who'd been dating someone for three months would have murdered her like this. This makes this predator, and he is a predator, a dangerous person who will be out in 12 and a half years. He will. And you've got to think, you know, he was 17 when he went in. He's not going to be very old. He's not a bad looking lad either. Um, what's next for this boy? Because that is life's over. He took it. Let's hope this boy doesn't come out and take somebody else's. I think Ellie's family also called for um, self-defence to be in schools because they feel that she could have defended herself more. Now, um, we wasn't there, was we? And listen, self-defence, I think, is a great thing to have. But I don't know if it would have um, made a difference for Ellie. Not really, because when someone like this is determined to kill you, I don't know if it would have stopped him. I don't know. I think what we should be doing is campaigning for more education in schools about domestic violence, domestic abuse, coercive behaviour, domestic homicide. To and and this new law, now Ellie's law that you know, for serious, you know, for people, you know, under the age of 21, that you can be now prosecuted and you will go to prison for a very long time. I think it's about education. Self-defense, yes, okay, that's great, but self-defense will not stop someone from killing you. You'd have to be really good because if they know you know self-defense, they're just gonna come at you another way. We need to start early in these schools. We need to start telling them about what's acceptable and what's not. We need to start talking about domestic abuse domestic homicide, coercive behaviour early on because then people understand that it's not acceptable, is it? That's the only way we're going to stop this, you know. It's the only way. And I think with Ellie's case it highlights that there wasn't really coercive behaviour or not that we knew about. She felt smothered, she felt overpowered by him so it would happen but Ellie wouldn't conform. She's just said, that's it, I don't want to know. She wanted to get on with her A-levels and stuff. She didn't want that sort of life. He didn't like her response. He didn't like the word no. He felt rejected by her statements. After three months, that was it. Three months. You know, this beautiful, educated girl, right, who wanted to do something with her life. What a loss to society, really. And then we have a 17 year old, really, that, you know, <laughs> thinks, I don't know, you know, because he's never really admitted it as he, I can't remember, I can't remember. You know, he's going to be out in 12 and a half years. So listen, there's a difference between, isn't there, a 10 year old and an 18 year old. This is what I'm trying to say. And I think this is what Ellie's Law was trying to say. 
if a 10 year old does a crime and I, we've done the Bulger case and stuff and I still think that was wrong the outcome of that in America if you're 10 year old you're, you're going to you know you, they do at some point um, charge you as an adult and that then you will be charged as an adult because the crime is so serious for you to be we're very lenient in this country as you can see and people we go mad about it all the time and I'm a staunch supporter of stronger sentences and you can't just say it you know the government says we're going to be harder on this we're going to push for this we're going to do this because that's what you want to hear but they're not actually doing it you know they're not actually doing it are they they're really not a life for a life really when you have someone that's took a life they should get life listen i think what is it we've got an average person lives 75 years average isn't it it's about 27,000 days that's it that's all we have on average 75,000 odd days yeah and you're talking about a 17 year old you're talking about what 5,000 days look what she's missed out on look at the life because sometimes I don't think when we do these cases that people realise when we're talking about 17 year olds or 12 year olds or 25 year olds that Christy was. I think Christy, what was 25 when she was murdered? All right. So that would have been what? 18, no, 9,000 days that she had lived. He only got 22 years and 58 days. So you're talking about what? I don't know. 8,000 days that he will miss out on of his life. She's missed out on so much. These victims, when you look at it in days, of how well, how many years or days the average person, like me or you, may live, where no one has intruded into our life and took our life. You know, 27,000 deaths. It doesn't seem long, does it? But at least it's long enough and it's long enough to where we can enjoy our lives. We can have children, can't we? Our careers. We can grow up. We can see our grandchildren grow up. These victims have lost everything. Her parents have lost everything. They won't see their child married, finish education, graduate from university, have any grandchildren. They won't. They've lost it. They've lost it from a person who was 17 year old. who took the life of someone in name for three months because she didn't want to be with him anymore. So it's about education, I think. And I think this is all we can do. It's all we can do is tell these cases, make you aware so you can make others aware. And we may save her life. You know, someone may watch this and think, hang on a minute, this isn't right. This doesn't sound right, what he's doing. This is what these cases are about. So listen, thank you for watching. Thank you for all your support. And you know what to do. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Let's get this over. You know, I am keep saying let's get this up to 100,000. Because I don't know why you're not subscribing. All of you, loads of you watch. Not all of you subscribe. Hit that bell. Because that's about, you know, when the next cases are coming out. And I'm bringing out a lot of cases, actually over the next few weeks because we've hit the 10,000 plus 
I thought I'd do quite a lot of cases. We're also doing our coffee mornings, not coffee mornings, murder mornings, uh, probably with me drinking a lot of coffee, where we're going to be answering your questions, and I'm actually going to film that tomorrow with Taylor, so we're going to do that. Listen, you know, Murder Analyzed is a site for you. It's a site where you can take it or leave it, isn't it? You can pass these out, talk about them, leave comments, whatever you want to do. And we appreciate everything you do. So you can follow us on Instagram, you can follow us on Facebook, and you can listen to this at some point on podcast. So, till the next time. Bye-bye.